This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cammy here. So jazzed to be talking to my friend, comedian Jerry Goldstein, on the show today. Freaking hilarious person who I know you're going to see a lot more of. Very excited about that. Hey, also, you want to see some more of me? Well, I just had a show in LA last week, maybe, and um, so many people came. It was a packed, packed house, and... So far, my show in Denver is also sold out, and we added a second. So, hey, do you live in New York, Nashville, Austin, Denver, Burlington, Vermont, or Boston? Because I am playing your city this fall or summer. I'm going to be at Joe's Pub in New York on August 11th through 13th. Nashville, I'll be in Zanies August 14th. Austin, I'll be at the State Theater on the 20th. Denver, I'll be at Comedy Works for two shows on the 21st. Burlington, Vermont, the 8th to the 10th at the Vermont Comedy Club. And then I will be at Laugh Boston in Boston on September 11th. You can go to CameronEsposito.com slash tour. Please come see me. I'm flying all over the freaking place and I definitely want to see you. Also, speaking of support and how awesome you are, we got some new names as Patreon patrons. So you can head on over to Patreon.com slash HeyQueeros and find out how you can support the show. Every time I say this, new people sign up, so I'm going to continue to say it. It really does make it possible for the show to happen. It makes it possible for me to pay Sierra, who's our producer that I hire independently. It makes it possible for me to make like a living wage doing the show because sponsorship is always helpful and awesome, but you really make the difference. It's really you that makes the difference. So let's let's thank Robin Moxley, Beck, Leslie Goditis, Chantel McClelland, McKenna Mer- Merrick, Trisha Thelmeyer, Francine Balbina, Ethan Peterson, Pavel Vavadowski, Rachel McIntyre, Levon Sawaki, Tanya Josek, Stacey M., Kevin Fry, Brittany Carlson, Pickles G., Chloe Vicker, Jackson Carr, Carrie Boland, Bobby Dalmer, Becky, Audrey Rauer, Morgan Friday, Katie Gagliardo, Jessica Lustig, Danny Alcorn, Sam Foster, Liesl Jensen, Eliza Dornbush, Jennifer Grindy, Fiona, Brenda Esposito, Mara Barra, Amy A., Diana, Andreola, Catherine Michaels, and Jen Saltzman. So awesome. Appreciate you so much. Please support the show on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash heyqueeros, or I'll see you live sometime real soon. XO. Enjoy the episode. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still All right. I always have guests on the show introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself? I would love to. Um, your next guest is <laughs> swallowing a rice cake. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's a perfect yeah. comedian. God, yeah. he's funny. Uh, that's oh, true. But he's so talented, so young. Oh. So young. He's got it all. <laughs> Give it up for Jared Goldstein. Yeah, give it up for Jared. You that is that does like play into your first of all, you are very funny. Thank you. Agreed. Um wait, how old are you? No one knows. You're not gonna say? So weird. You're beyond the the 
refuse to do. I'm glitterati, babe. Okay. <laughs> I feel like you. I feel like I've seen you do a lot of jokes about youth. Your yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of why. Yeah, the brand's falling apart every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're. You are. Well, when did you move to LA? I'm. I'm I moved to LA like, I, like ten years ago. Like ten years ago. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have a memory of you. Um, maybe. Uh, I feel like it's more recent than that. When you first moved here, were you doing stand-up right away? No, I started like seven years ago. I was here for a few years before I started doing it. What were you doing in L.A. before you were doing stand-up? I was just acting and going to parties and like watching so you, like, Parks moved, and Rec. You moved to L.A. to be an actor? Kind of. I was a child actor. I'm from New York. I was a child actor there. Started I don't know in why I didn't theater. Um, started, yeah, started in theater, did that. For a while, it was great. I was on Broadway. It was incredible. Wow, why did changed. I not know this about you? I don't know. I guess I kind of, I don't really talk about it a lot. I have a couple jokes about it in my stand-up, but I don't really tell them anymore just because they're, they're just, they got, they felt kind of old to me. So maybe you just didn't hear me mention it. Yeah. Um, but I talk about it all the damn time. Won't stop talking about it. Well, that makes sense, actually, because what a, what an interesting, specifically, like, you were a child actor in live performance? Like Mostly. Um, I was on Saturday Night Live, if that's what you're alluding to. No, I, what I was actually alluding to is that that sounds like Theater. so much fucking pressure. Oh, it... And like such a schedule. Like that is like I a really it. intense schedule. Okay, yeah, tell me. How old, how old were you when you got your start? I started when I was 11. First thing I ever auditioned for was The Lion King to play Simba on Broadway. I almost got it, didn't get it. But that was enough to get me started. My first job was in a sketch on Conan O'Brien, the late night with Conan O'Brien show. Or, I've or heard of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was a, a back to school sketch. Um, and then, you know, did theater around. And um, I really, I liked it a lot because I didn't like school all that much. Um, didn't have like a ton of like great friends. I got bullied enough to be like, this is not for me. Um, and then when I started, um, acting and doing theater and like leaving high school early to go to the train station, to get on the train alone, to go into New York city and to get out in midtown and be in times square and like all these big buildings and all these adults. And I'm just alone. It was just, it was very exciting. There was just like a adrenaline about it. Did your classmates know that that's what you were leaving school to go do? Yeah, yeah. Was that cool and impressive? Did people, did that change your, like, social standing at all or the bullying? For the most part, it did. I mean, there was not, the idea that it was very glamorous, so yes, but the reality of it was less so. So whenever they found out any actual information, that led to bullying. What I was, was on the a, actual information? That you're, I was that on a was kid's less- prank TV show for years, um, <laughs> and it was called Gagsters. Um, and if <laughs> that's amazing, it was great. Okay. No, it was great. I had a great time. Gangsters. But if you could imagine, yeah, yeah, what sort of, you know, what right. they called it, you know, growing up. Uh, I, you know what? Now that you say it, <laughs> sure, I can, I can fill in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And honestly, roasted got me. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right on the, right on the head. Um, wow. When were you on Broadway? 
um, when I was like 13, 14, 15. What were you doing? I was in a Christmas carol at Madison Square Garden. They also play basketball there. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, yeah, it was the best time of my life. It was so great. It was so what were, fun. What, and what were you doing in a Christmas carol? I played young Scrooge when the ghost of Christmas <gasps> past takes him back in time. And you oh, see wow. the soft, mushy beginnings. Oh, that's really, that's yeah. really sweet. Also, who also played that 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 character, uh, Jesse McCartney and Joe Jonas. Wow. And here you are. Or Nick Jonas. Nick Jonas. One yeah. of the Jonases. Yeah, one of the Jonases, yeah. And here I am um, in the exact same financial standing as the, those two people I just named. Do, do you want to hear a story about my neighbor who I just went to see in a musical, or do you want to hear a story about Nick Jonas? Or would you like to hear both stories? Uh, Let's start with your neighbor. Okay. My neighbor down the street, Katie and I, my wife and I really Mm -hmm. love our neighborhood and we really like our neighbors. And down the street, there's a kid who's a musical theater kid who's like, uh, I think he's a sophomore, going to be a sophomore in high school. And so we've been living here for two and a half years. So we started to get like invited to productions of his shows. And Katie went and saw him in Little Shop of Horrors. I was out of town. But we just saw him two weekends ago in Matilda, at a like, <gasps> community theater production of Matilda. And so most of the people in the cast were, were actual children. And then he was one of the older ones because he played the Trunchbull. Oh, Which wow. Was Good for him. Incredibly cool to see. His parents are there. We know his parents. They're very, very supportive and awesome. And they really like love him and are into what he's doing. And also just like he was he was so excellent at this role. But like, you know, that's a he's in drag. He's like a young kid. But it's also not like glamorous drag. He's like, you know, supposed to be a terrifying woman. And um, he was really, really good. And also just was interesting to see somebody and like wonder what that experience is like. I think he goes to a performing arts high school. So maybe it's cool. Like, I feel like when in an era that I was growing up, I don't know if the kid who was like kind of flamboyant, but had a great voice and then was like starring as the Trunchbull. Like, I don't know how that kid would have done socially. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But it was interesting to go and like be supportive and just to like to see him really shine. People were excited to meet him after. I don't know. Oh my I, God, I think it that's felt like so cool. maybe this is okay. Like maybe it's actually, maybe this is actually fine for him. And maybe that is one of those tiny ways that things have, I always say yeah. people are like things have changed so much because I think there are many ways they haven't, but I think one way that they have is that in 2022, you can start as the Trunchbull and Matilda and people are like on board with that. <laughs> That is so cool. It is. It's amazing to see the way things change and to like have to have to um, catch up on 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 the inside with it as you see it, because you have this expectation of, oh, things are this way. They've always been this way. This is how things are. And then when you see it change, suddenly it's like you're like, oh, my God, wait, I'm now it's now. okay. I'm the one I'll have to to let this go. I I really had that that experience. Right. I had that experience. I have to let this go. Anyway, keep going. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I had this experience of having to let this go watching Adam Rippon for the first time. Mm-hmm. I woke up one morning, I opened my computer, I see an ad or uh, like an article that said like, is Adam Rippon's butt fake? And I'm like, 
who is Adam Rippon? Let's find out if this man's, I'll be the judge. So let's see if this man's blood is fake. <laughs> Click the damn video. Let's find out. I'm, I'm going to find it out. And um, he, it, it's him. And he's like, this was his like big Olympic debut. And um, he ice skates to uh, a Coldplay song. And when he comes out onto the ice, he's wearing such a gorgeous, bedazzled, top to bottom, skin tight outfit. And he looked a lot, now that I'm realizing it now, he looks a lot like this kid in my high school who used to wear spandex and got bullied all the time relentlessly for wearing spandex. Right. And I see him in spandex and and my initial reaction was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, they're going to make fun of you. Like, you can't wear that. Don't wear that. They're going to make fun of you. Yeah. And then he starts skating. And I, I don't watch the Olympics. I don't care about the Olympics. It was so beautiful. I'm, I start sobbing. First thing in the morning, I'm watching this man ice skate after I had just had this instinctual, internalized, homophobic kind of reaction to his outfit. And it just, it cracked my head open and it just, uh, uh, such a fan. And then I later met him. I later met him. I was going to ask him, you met him. All yeah. of this. Well, He's a sweetheart. Yes. Yeah. I told him, I told him all of it. I had to. He really like, he like, yeah. he opened my heart so much. And I'm sure, did he like receive it? Beautifully. Well, yeah. Oh, my God. He's so charming. He's as charming as he seems. Yeah. And normal. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's another thing that's like, what a jock also. It's like, oh, my God. Know, like, yeah. like such a committed. Such athlete. a jock. People think his butt yeah. is fake. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've had him on the I've had him on this show. He, he's great. So uh, great. Yeah. Huge fan. Yeah. Um, I hear you. Oh, this is what I was going to say about Nick Jonas. This is just this is just a story about how his butt fake. No, this is just a story about how I'm an idiot. Um, years ago, I was in a movie with Kate Hudson, and like I was living in Atlanta, shooting this movie for like five weeks or whatever, and she was mm-hmm. like hanging out with the cast. Well, like the there was you know it was this movie that had different families, and I was in the family with her and. The, she was hanging out with our family a little bit, yeah. which was really cool because I didn't imagine that that might be true. Like I thought she probably was like an unavailable person, but I was like having dinner with her, her kids, all this stuff. Um, and then there was one weekend, it was like leading up to a weekend and she was going to go somewhere. She was going to, she was like talking about going to Florida or something. And um, it was to see somebody that she was dating. And I, was like just you know fucking around shooting the shit and i was like oh kate like who are you dating like fun you know and she just looked at me and went and just said nothing like her like like she just there was a total blankness to her face and she just said nothing and then she like walked away and we sort of continued the rest of our day and i realized like weird i just i just forgot who i was talking to because as I was leaving Atlanta, which was like the next week or something, the front of Us Weekly was like paparazzi shots of her and Nick Jonas at Disneyland together <laughs> or Disney World together yeah. in Florida. So like that's what she was doing. She was going to meet Nick Jonas. And like she can't tell me that. Like there She's were like people like <laughs> there were like people hiding behind trees taking pictures of her on set. You know, like I just I just forgot. Yeah. Sometimes I, but also, couldn't she have just said just some guy? I mean, that would have been funny too, right? What did, I mean? I uh, would you have even? Magazine. Would you have prodded really that much if she had said just this guy? I like. Him no, a lot. I mean, you're right. Maybe it just was. 
But I think sometimes it's, you know, I don't know, maybe you're, I have no idea what it'd be like to be a child actor and like sort of be around anybody who even wants to do this at that age. But like when I was a kid, I was a jock. I like this sort of snuck up on me in a way where like I just thought I was going to do live performance and live in Chicago. And then suddenly I moved to LA. And so sometimes I find myself in a situation where I'm like, oh, um, this is the real one. Like I actually got to the real, this is the real kids and who's going to go date like the real Nick Jonas and shut down a ride in Disney World so that they can like go on it. You know, like I just forgot for a minute where I was, who I was talking to. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Atlanta, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll play with your mind. (laughs) Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! You're having this success. You're a child actor. Mm-hmm. Did you think, like, this is then... Yeah, I thought I was going to do, do that for the rest of my life. I was like, because I was doing... I was a singer. The thing is, okay, so I never could have played the trench bowl. That's something I would not have been able to pull off in any way. I wasn't really like acting. I wasn't like very good. I didn't, I didn't love, honestly, I didn't even like love performing really. I didn't love acting. I was just like very, very, very good at singing and cute. And you would, I was like, you know, enough of a type A student that if you told me to stand there, and then sing, and then walk over there, and then sing more, and then run backstage, put on this outfit, come back. Like I would, do, I was just like very obedient. One time I auditioned for—I'd never been in a play, never once been in a play. I auditioned for a play when I was like probably thirteen. I looked probably three years old, and it was to play. Um, just my, <laughs> my face was just a perfect all circles, just like like a little Tamagotchi. Um, and it was to play a drug dealer in a middle school in this like tough play. New York, play, acting, ah. And it was to play a drug dealer. And the lines were all cursing. It was like, fuck, give me my fucking money. Fuck you, you know, <laughs> bitch. Um, all this stuff. And I'm, I'm 13 and I'm in this audition. It's just me and this casting director. And I'm reading it. She starts laughing in my face. And she feels bad. So she's like, she's trying to stifle her laughter. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Keep, keep going, keep going. And like, this was just me. Like, I'm not really like an actor, you know, I'm not convincing anyone that I'm anything other than a Pikachu. Like, I'm just, this is, this is what I am. Um, so it, it was all about the singing for me. And I thought I would sing forever. And then when you'd hear like the lore of the voice change and puberty and, and, you know, they're dropping like flies as you get older. That's why kids start so young. So they have enough time to like do something. I started when I was 11. That was like too late. I like missed the boat on like 
I couldn't play like Gavroche and Les Mis. I couldn't play like there's all these parts I was already too old for. Um, but I just thought when my voice changes, I'll be fine. Like I'm a good singer. What nothing's my voice will just get deeper and that'll be fine. And then I'll be a man. That's great. Um, and then my voice changed and nothing was fine. It was ruined. I was like briefly hired and like one more musical was pretty quickly fired and then truly never worked again. And then, wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. What about like your, that's also a very specific thing to be a beautiful child mm. because that is something that, I'm like on a TV show right now with a kid, with a kid actor who's been on the show for uh, years and he's playing younger than him than he is. Uh And it's, I've certainly worked with kids before, but like, I think I'm working with somebody who's right. He's like short for his age. Yeah. He's like about to be, he's like right in that moment where like something might happen. And I just, it's like very interesting just to be around that. I have a lot of compassion for him. I don't know that it's on his mind, but it's certainly something that I'm seeing. Like, cause he plays like a precocious kid. So once you're like, if he got tall, precocious is like, then hard to pull off, right? Because it's like completely, yeah, yeah. Because like, well, you're just—he's just saying the words that a person that age would say. But now he's like, now I'm he's small, actually so mansplaining. Like, wow, yeah, exactly, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, this is something that I've been thinking a lot. About yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, it's like it's—it's—I—it's definitely on people's mind. It's like it's—it's it's on the parents' mind. It's on. Also, like I had a friend who was working on a show as a writer and there were children in the show. And because of the pandemic and the delay of shooting, the kids, they lost the job and they had to just go and hire new kids later. And I never even thought about the way that the pandemic would impact child actors. Oh, my God. Because you really have such a short window and every year matters. You look different every year. Um, Yeah, it's a very bizarre, it's a very bizarre, especially, yeah, your children and, and it's puberty and puberty is, is awkward and weird and stressful and challenging enough without like 15 professional adults who are either making money off of you or are counting on you to make them money um, watching. It's very wow. weird. It's very, very weird. Like, when did you grow into this face, this adult person face? Took um, a long time. I was a very late bloomer. Uh, so basically starting at 11 was not so late because I didn't even start puberty until I was like 16. So like I, when I was 16, I was like five, three, I was a soprano. I would go out with my friends and I would catch my reflection in the mirror and I would double take like who, why is there a child with these teenage boys? This is crazy. I looked really, I was so tiny. Um, and then puberty was like such a nightmare and it's like acne and you're fired and gay and, and, oh my God, it was just so, so many, like, so stressful. Really, really. Yeah. That sounds really, really rough. It was so honest. It was so, it was so much not to be like, so self-aggrandizing, but holy cow. It was like, I truly like, I I think, I think, I think, I think I'm like getting or like re-understanding or like reshaping how I think about my adulthood. But 
so much of my life, my adulthood um, and young adulthood was about like this feeling of like puberty ruined me and I will do everything I can to fix it. But God. I don't know that I will. And that's just like, that's constantly what's fueled me. It's like feeling like puberty ruined me. Well, I mean, it also makes sense to me now. Are you, I was like, how old are you? You're like, nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you, Jared, how much of this, do you, do you think that perceptions of race played into this in terms of how people were casting you also? Because I feel like the, the like, the idea that there could be a hot Asian man arrived in Hollywood um, two years ago, yeah. in my understanding. Yeah, 1,000%. So, yeah. You hear these, like, little factoids, and they're just mind-blowing. Like, Jackie Chan never kisses a woman in any of his movies. Oh, my God, I've never heard that. But fuck. You're like, whoa. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I do. I mean, it was interesting because, okay, so for starters... Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, um, I'm Japanese. My mom, my mom is Japanese from Hawaii. My dad is a blonde Jewish man from Florida. Um, and when I started, my name is Jared Goldstein. I had, um, a very cartoonish, uh, manager, child acting manager, who was exactly as you would imagine, um, changed my name to, um, Jared Vera, um, to be more quote ethnically ambiguous essentially just trying to pass me off as latino um which is common for for asian children in the industry to be um presented as latino because there's just not that much work if you're asian right um yeah so like i remember at the time like and also you know this was uh, this was a different time. Like they, we just didn't have language around any of this. Um, mm-hmm. So it was, it all just seemed silly and glamorous at the time to just be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to start acting now. And I'm supposed to change my name. And my new name is Jared Vera. Um, and not really looking into, you know, what that was about or why, or. Um, oh, at the time it was explained that, she, my manager wanted to make sure she wanted to protect me against anti-Semitism. So she got rid of my Goldstein name. It's just so, yeah, it's just, and you're, I'm the child, you know, you're just like, okay, okay. Stand here, stand on the mark. This is your name. Say this, sing this song. You're just like, okay. Um, But what was interesting about performing in theater is that um, I, I can't speak to it now, but I, at the time, um, it was, I, the, the expression was colorblind casting. Um, and it was uh, kind of ahead of its time, at least ahead of Hollywood. Um, like I even playing, you know, playing Ebenezer Scrooge. Like I would never play Ebenezer Scrooge in a movie or a TV show unless it was like, yeah, I'm some big star and there's some silly something. It's like, um, yeah, they, I played different ethnicities throughout my childhood and I played white a lot and never, never like played just a white person in a, in a TV show or in a movie or like right. was never in a family because it's like, if they, if they hire me, then suddenly you need to change the casting of one of the parents or explain this thing. And right. Um, so yeah, it's like I, TV and film, like also I'm gay and I like seem gay. And I think like seeing children now on television who seem gay, but it's not a part of the character 
that that blew my mind. That that was like this brand new thing I I never saw before. Because when I was a kid, it was like that was not the case. Like this, the the sun had like a sideways baseball hat. That's it. You know, there was just no inexplicably effeminate sun that they just didn't address. Um, So like. I internalized a lot of it too as my own failure. I was like, oh, I'm just not good at acting, I guess. But it's like, right. no, you were just gay and half and, and gay, gay and biracial right. in 2001. Like, good luck, you know? Right. I mean, I, I think also, I, I know what you're talking I've never thought about this. I, I mean, if, you know, but I know what you're talking about. So another thing you're talking in like theater, you're also talking about like when you were playing Scrooge, yeah. the adult version of Scrooge, you don't even have to, be the same. Like I've seen yeah. the production because they're so like, you're far not the away. same race as that person, and it's like part of it. And the the sort of audience is expected to just like keep up. Like these are the same. This is the same person. Yeah, and just like you get it right, you know. But we you just that's, that's never been anything in a movie. Never. But t- also, television. it is logistic. Like logistically, theater is different than film. And it's, right. in film, you're seeing someone's full face, and right. in theater, you're really not. Like it's right. like the the actor is maybe 200 feet away from you. You right. know, you can't really see the, in, 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 you know. Especially with these eyes, am I right? This is a... Come on. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So how is that for you now? What, what do you mean by that? Well, okay. I mean, I'm thinking about what you're saying and like, here's, here's an example, you know, uh, such a big part of standup is being introduced, like constantly being introduced. Yeah. So there's an expectation that your name creates and then you or me, any comic walks out and you like walk into the space that the audience was imagining. And so, you know, Jared Goldstein audience is like imagining what you look like and then it's you. And then, you know, as a comic also, there's like some things that like, I always have, this is like, so not relevant anymore, but I just remember when I was like first, actually, I mean, it could still be relevant. Yeah. Like I played like the laugh factory this week in the comedy store. Like there's a part at the beginning of a set somewhere like that, where I have to like acknowledge that I know I'm gay because mm-hmm. otherwise I feel like the audience is in their heads just like does this person <laughs> does this person know that that we know like I I can see her D- does this does this do they know does this person know you look gay you know like that's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I mean definitely definitely when I first started um and I look back on when I first started and like I was so, again, like type A about it in a way that I really admire. And sometimes I go, oh man, what if I just sat down at my computer and typed out jokes like I did when I first started and was so organized and was just so like thinking about my perception on stage and the order of jokes and the importance of the order of jokes and the presentation and all these things. And um, yeah, it, it definitely, um, it definitely mattered then it still matters now but there I got to a point where I sort of enjoyed not doing it like getting on stage and being like I'm half Asian and Jewish boy yoing you know like and like doing these kind of jokes which I, I mean I liked the jokes that I wrote about it but um at a certain point it got exciting to me to just kind of get on stage and just kind of 
start in or just be like, for a while I was being really mean on stage in jokes, like just right up top to start making fun of the audience in these very canned ways. But, um, but just finding different ways to start my set and not feeling like I necessarily had to explain to them who I am at the, at the very start. Um, and that was fun too. I really did enjoy that. And I, I think that it, it, helped me. And it, I think it still worked in a lot of ways. Um, but I'm also now at a place where like, I, I, I'm like oscillating, like my, my intentions with stand up have been like really kind of oscillating. And I'm like, so one month I'm like, I want to just be the kind of comic who just like talks and is right and is funny and is expressing their mind. And like, there's no like, but I'm ching, but I'm bum bum da da da. And like, and I used to, and still I'm very much that sort of set up punchline comedian. Um, and I think I did that in a way that was fun. I don't know. But then you just go back and you go, oh, I don't have any jokes. Yeah. Oh, I got to go write some jokes. So, you know, it, it, it always changes. But I think what I love about stand up is that you decide and you get to do it and you don't need anyone to pick you to do it. And the more yourself you can be, the better. You, when you're acting, it's like you have to lean into some aspect of your personality. It's like I walk into a room and it's like six Asian guys or I walk into a room and it's like 11 gay guys. And like you read the script and it's like this one thing. And I'm, I'm constantly sort of like trying to like push away some side of me or hope they don't notice some side of me. And with stand up, you, I can bring it all. I can bring it all and I can just share it all and I can be in a good mood. I can be in a bad mood. It's like, it's just so freeing. It's so great. So I really like that about stand up. I love that too. Yeah. It's something that I really love about it. Also, you're seven years in, you said, I mean, that yeah. makes everything you're describing makes sense. Cause I think it's, it's an interesting, I mean, God, I can get like very nerdy about this, but it's just an interesting art form in that like, it's, you're, you know, you learn it by doing it. So every comic is learning how to tell jokes and like what that even looks like. And then you're also learning how to tell jokes that the way that you, you want to do it. And then also learning like, and what do I want to present to the audience at the same time? I think maybe with other art forms that are less about presenting one's self, Mm-hmm. you're like maybe mastering the skill of painting, but like this would only be you know true if all you ever painted was a self-portrait. Like that's that's what's, <laughs> that's what's fucking wild about it, right? Is that it's like, you're also always the-, the Oh my God, that's the, so crazy to think of it that way. <laughs> it's like, you're always the product, you're always the medium and you're always the artist. It's all of it. It's always that's just true. You. That's literally true, yeah. And there really isn't any- other thing like that. Yeah, but um, it's so funny too, because it's like people think like you think about comedians and like you think people throw around the word narcissist, like I think just way too much. But like <laughs> you think about that type of person, you know, and I just I truly don't feel that way. Like I, I am a stand up comedian, but I don't feel I do like I do enjoy attention, but I just don't I know that person and I know I'm not that person. Do you know what I mean? Well, the other day I was driving home from a show and <laughs> Katie said to me. <laughs> she's in the other room. I wonder if she can hear me. She was like, we were like driving home from, I had just done like an hour at Largo and I'm like, I'm doing driving hands. Cause I was driving. <laughs> um, I'm like driving the car and she's like, yeah, I mean, like it was a great show and I always love to watch you because it's like, and she has like no experience with stand up before me. 
And she was like, because like, you know, comedian like stand-ups are like douchebags. And so it's like so wild to see you. <laughs> and it's like, you're not. And I I was driving and I was like, wait a minute, Katie, are stand-ups douchebags? Like, is that what people think? Because I've just spent so, I've been doing this job for so long that I feel like what people think of stand-ups, like I have no concept of that. Because yeah. it's like, I only know people who know that I do this job. So nobody's going to say to my face, like, this is a job yes. for narcissists or douchebags. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the, I, she was like, yeah, no, I think that is what people think. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's so wild when you like snap out of it just for a second. <laughs> like I just the other day, it occurred to me, I realized that most people's Instagrams are not just reels of people at the improv. Some people have basketball on their thing. Oh my I'm like, God. What? I actually had a moment like that too. You know when this was for me was during, was it was like during the depth of the Trump, Trump presidency. This is like sort of when I stopped using Twitter. Like I, like I have a Twitter, but I don't really use it. And I have a Twitter. What did I just say? <laughs> I, ha- I still have an account, but I don't use it. Um, and part of it is because I would go on there like, all the time at the early stages of the Trump presidency to just like check the news. Like that's that's why I was like getting my news. And then I realized like you have self-selected people. Like this is only a feed of people that you've selected and everybody is fucking pissed. So like my temperature of what was going on in the news was just like my friends yelling. Yeah. You know, and like, not that we shouldn't have been angry about that, but I just, I felt like for that was, to be your news, that's the that's that's not like the best or most not helpful. the best news. No, yeah, no, it's not the best news. But yeah, no, I don't think everybody's Instagram is. <laughs> yeah, no, it's <laughs> definitely not. It's definitely not. It's definitely not. Uh, it's so. I mean, my whole Instagram just like screams gay comedian. It's so. That's really funny. It's so aggressive, Jared. I mean. I don't know if I'm just like not thinking of folks, but also I don't know like a ton of comics that are biracial and talking about that. I feel like maybe I'm just like not thinking of folks that I know. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because it's like when I started, it it felt like. Uh, there it, it got to a point where like those premises about being biracial we're starting to feel hack among comedians. Mm. Um, so, I mean, there definitely are, there definitely are. Um, but I think, I think that there, I think it's like, I think it's like a, it's a, it's a generation thing of like new, new people coming up and, um, but uh, yeah, there was like, I, I would do, there was also like, like diversity shows was like a, was a big part of like, oh my still, God. it's still a big part of it, of everything. And, you know, I would do, I, I have, I have many diversities within me. So I would do a lot of them in different kinds. And, um, I did a, uh, I did a Jewish one and, um, and I thought, okay. And it was like something insane. It was like 25 comics all doing like four minutes, just like insane. Um, and I thought, okay, it's a Jewish show. What are my Jewish jokes? And then I sat and I was watching some of it and everybody gets up and they're all doing their Jewish jokes. And it's like four minutes, 25 times over and over and over. And I was like, oh, 
wait, actually don't do your Jewish material, do your gay and Asian material or, or just do anything else than that. Um, so that was like an interesting thing to learn. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like, I think like identity politics have become like such a conversation and identity politics in standup has become like such mm. a conversation um, that uh, it, yeah, it's like, I mean, I love the jokes that I write that are about my family and about me and about, you know, I'm obsessed with being gay. It's all I ever think about. I'm like, ugh. Um, but I also do really enjoy writing jokes about my car or writing jokes about, you know, my friends. Um, so, you know, but then again, like you get to do it all. It's like, at the end of the day, I'm still painting a picture of my face, <laughs> but I just, you know, accentuate different parts of it. <laughs> I wonder if this also, I'm curious about like your, cause also as, as you're talking, I was thinking when you were talking about, um, diversity shows. Yeah. Cause I don't think they're called that anymore. They still no. like exist, but there was a time when they were like literally called that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, I don't know why half of my stuff I'm talking about today on the podcast is like just me being in the car with Katie, but that same night <laughs> that we were driving, we were driving home and then I don't know, I was like in a, like a nostalgic place. Actually, this was a different night. I was in a nostalgic place and we drove past um, this big construction project where the meltdown comics building used to be and katie yeah. didn't live here ever when that existed and so i was driving past and i was like katie this like giant condo used to actually be the site of this comic book shop that was like home to for a while the most popular show in la and maybe the most popular show in the country that was then turned into comedy central show and i was on it and you know at that time like there was also this show Hot Tub on Monday nights that still runs. And then my show was on Tuesday nights, Put Your Hands Together. And then that meltdown was on Wednesday nights. And it was like really fun because it felt like to my, the way I felt about my show and those other shows was that like those three nights were some of the best nights to do stand up in LA. And they were, yeah. and they, were, they, were they were weekdays and it was like so rock and roll and alternative. And she was like, and then what happened after that? And I was like, I don't know what happened after that. Like, it just felt like there was a lot of pressure at the time to be seen in a live way. And those were the places you could be seen. But for some reason, now it just feels like there's less pressure on <laughs> people. And then I was literally like, oh, my God, the Internet. internet. Like, <laughs> You're like explaining the invention of the Internet. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And I, I'm realizing seven, like starting seven years ago, you, you maybe are part of the last generation of comics that started. Um, because yes, you know, uh, YouTube and like Twitter and all that stuff started in 2006. So when I was doing stand-up, those things existed. But if you, YouTube was for, if you were a comic, YouTube was for putting a set that then you would send to a booker. It was not where you did, you didn't yeah. do comedy on the internet. There was so like did, no monetizing Then you were like it. hacked. That was like for somebody else. That wasn't for yeah. like a, somebody to be taken seriously. And then now we're in an era of like, you know, uh, Meg Salter is awesome and legitimate and a lead in an HBO show, but also like popularized herself from her the phone. Internet. It's a totally from different. her phone. It's so yeah. wild. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, what ahead. were you saying? No, I was just going to ask if. If that is true, if seven years it's ago, like you started true. in, you started it is one thousand percent true. As um, a freak who's still going to open mics, 
it's there's just the scene is just not what it was. Right. They don't need it. Right, right, right. They just don't need it. It's like, and I, I just go because it's social and I get to see my friends and I get to like try this new thing I was thinking about before I go do a show or whatever. Um, but you're so right. And it really, I feel so nostalgic for it. And I, I, I felt really grateful for it in the moment. And I really knew to, I really knew to be like, take this all in, like every open mic, every bar show that you're doing, doing um, Put Your Hands Together was like such a, like, legitimizing moment for me in as a stand-up in LA to, oh, to be asked to do the show, to be on the show. I had so much fun on the show. That venue in particular, that like wraparound seating, I just truly like, it was so cool just to hear like people laughing in surround sound at the jokes that I worked on to get onto this show and to be on and to just be living in that moment. I left on a cloud and I just think about it all the time. And like, it was like, Truly just so cool and a very, a very cool, good thing that you had created. Um, and then there's the podcast that you get to listen to it back. And then I get to share it with people. Because I could like, you know, it was at a time when I I wasn't, we weren't that online in the way we are now. So it's like, that was really the way a lot of people in my life heard me do stand up for the first time. Because I could go, oh, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. And it was so exciting. And it felt, I remember when it came out and listening to it. And I just, I, I literally felt like it was coming out of an old timey radio. Oh you my know? God. That's amazing. Totally. It felt like, like I was gathered around some big radio in the living room to listen. And, and it's me. And, and it was also the first time I had ever really heard myself professionally recorded as like a, as a standup. Oh my God. So it was like to hear my to hear myself reflected back at me in, in the same, like, don't be digital or whatever the hell it is, like, was, <laughs> it was just, it was so, like, gratifying and legitimizing and, like, very, very cool. Oh, my God. And, I mean, that's also so beautiful because it's your new voice. It's yeah. your wrecked voice. It's your destroyed yes. by puberty. <laughs> yes. But repurposed for something else it. voice. Yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, that, I, I just as you're talking about, I'm like remembering. God, it has been such a weird decade in terms so of so weird the entertain like in terms of just the mediums that we use for entertainment. Like, like it's been it's been true. That's been true on every possible vector, but just in this <laughs> yeah. one vector. I just remember going to pitch, like when I first pitched Ryan from a special thing records this idea because he was going to be the one that I asked to record it. And when we went to go pitch UCB together, the two of us, the idea, it was like, I felt like I was describing something that was like people literally, I was like, Ryan, it's stand up, but it's like, it's going to feel like you're there, man. Like, like you record the whole thing and like, you know, we put the sound in and it, like, it feels like a real show. You know, it's not, it's not a record. It's not cleaned up, you know? And the same thing when I was saying that to the, to the UCB and it's just like, that's literally what, phones are doing now like it's just like we we know what everybody's actual face looks like we know what their house looks like it was it was that feeling was still so fresh the idea that we could like break capture that yeah exactly like break through some walls like that and really get a chance to see like what does adam rippon's butt look like you know what i mean not on television but at his house you know (laughs) yeah yeah um Jared, you're, you know what it is? Here's the thing. I like you. I think you're a really chill, fun dude. And also Thank you're you. very, very funny. So I, you know, I can't wait to continue to see all the zillion things that you get up to. 
Yeah, I, I yeah. right back at you. Um, before I send you back into your day, I wanted to ask you to shout out a queero, which is a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you could be who you are today. Totally. Um, these answers, they might be hack, but it's Harvey Milk. Oh, wow. He's from my town. Okay, so I invented him. It's not him. hack. Yeah. I invented him, and I know I love him more than you love him. That's great. He's from Ooh. my town. Great. <laughs> um, also, James Baldwin. Reading Giovanni's Room was, like, so restored, like, reparative. Like, you know those, like, <laughs> those conditioner commercials where they show you the conditioner <laughs> fixing the split ends? I do, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what reading Giovanni's Room was for me. Wow. Where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm gay. And not only is it okay, it's actually, like, literature. Oh, my God. Um, I read Giovanni's Room this year. That's wow. the first time I read it. Yeah. This year. Mm-hmm. The, um, the passage beautiful. where he crosses the street and he's sort of like um, look, making eyes at that man. Yes. That healed me. <laughs> I mean, it's beautiful. You know, um, have you read My my Policeman? No. It's, it's going to be a movie that it's like the movie's coming out soon. And it stars Harry Styles. But mm-hmm. Oh, um, I saw the ad for it. The book is really interesting and... It doesn't have, you know, it wasn't written by James Baldwin, so it's not like that letter level of um, literature, but I really liked it. And I, yeah. I, for some reason, I read those books back to back and it felt like they were interest, an interest, they were like in conversation with each other um, in a way, in my mind. All right. Well, I'm Stubbs. So at the very least, I'll be seeing yeah. The Policeman in theaters. There we go. Perfect. Um, if I don't read it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jared, so good to talk to you. Great to talk to you. Great to I see can't you. wait to see you at the next show. Yes. 